We have a very special time coming up, uh, July the 9th and 10th. My pastor is going to be with us. I'm super excited, Pastor Bob McGregor. It is our 10th anniversary. Give somebody a high 10. Our 10th anniversary. And it's, it's going to be amazing. Please mark that out. Don't, don't go, well, you know, I'm going to Hawaii. Forget that. You can go to Hawaii anytime, right? Right? S- write it down, July 9th and 10th. Um, Pastor Bob and Sue McGregor will be with us. We're going to have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. And I'm super excited to celebrate 10 years. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has. He's done some amazing things. Do you know what this week is? My wife's birthday this week. How cool is that? I better not tell you how old she's going to look or how old she is. She doesn't look how old she is. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I want to read a scripture and then we're going to pray. If you're a guest, thank you for being with us. We're excited that you could be here tonight. We, we love Jesus, but we don't play church. And we're not religious, but man, are we Jesus freaks. <laughs> we love the presence of God. We love to worship Jesus. We love to see people saved and water baptized. I think, what, last weekend? 17, 18? Is that amazing? Just phenomenal. I want to read a scripture. You know, the Bible speaks of, you can say something over and over and it becomes very ordinary and you're like, yeah, 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 oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Knowing the truth will set you free. Yeah, 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 oh, no, I know, I know. What does that mean? I mean, it, it, it is knowing the truth. It's knowing it in here. That it's not just an intellectual knowing. I know President Obama, but I don't know anything about him. It's not just about you intellectually knowing Jesus and knowing his word, but down here in your guts, it will set you free. Listen to the scripture. 2 Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I think it tells you how. How is grace and peace going to be multiplied to you? And it says, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There's something about knowing. There's something about knowledge and understanding that can really help us. This whole uh, series we're doing on the creed, why would we do that? Because to understand what we really believe, I mean, it's powerful. I mean, it's like, what, 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 what made Superman, you know, Superman? What was it? Kryptonite. kryptonite? It's like knowing is like the, the kryptonite. Is that right? The sun is actually oh, the sun. Well, that's good. The sun gives us the power too. Actually knowing the sun is what empowers you. Not just, I mean, when you really know these things, I mean, you walk out of here and just, wow, having a better understanding. Even if it's a little bit, it empowers you in what you believe. And I believe it, take, it can also, when it gets in here, it brings transformation power. So um, I'm going to pray and we're just going to believe for that tonight. Amen. Will you pray with me? 
Father, we just ask that you give us understanding tonight, the knowledge to obtain your exceedingly great and precious promises. That we be partakers of the divine nature that Peter speaks of. Lord, we pray for transformation in the innermost parts of our being, God. We don't want to stay the same, God. And you know, we can't change ourselves, so we ask that your living word would now come and you would have your way, you would touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. the part that I'm speaking on tonight is part four, should be behind me. It says, suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. That creed that you just listened to, the video, the Apostles' Creed, written somewhere between 100 and 300 A.D. In it says the Catholic Church. I want to qualify that for a minute. That doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church, which started in 10,054, but was the Catholic Church in the sense of the universal church. There's only one church, and we're part of the universal church. And don't get confused with universe. Universal church is universalism. We do believe in hell. I mean, the creed really speaks of that. And so uh, I want to talk about this part tonight, uh, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. The title of this is um, The Purpose of Pain. It could be the power in pain. It could be the plan in pain. Kind of chose the purpose of pain. I want to back up and just uh, do a little bit of rehearse from last week because it ties into this week. Last week we discussed Jesus is 100% man and he's 100% God. How many of you remember that? Everyone say 100% man and 100% God. 100% man came through Mary's side. And the Bible says why it had to be. Jesus had to be 100% man. It's very important that you understand that he was 100% man. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings. Now get this in your guts. Made of flesh and blood. Look, look. The son had also became flesh and blood. Look, look. For only as a human being could he die. Okay, so that's so important to know. He had to be 100% man. It goes on to say, by dying, could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death? God can do almost everything, but there's a few things he can't do. He can't die. He's eternal God. He can't lie. He can't sin. Okay, he's holy. He's 100% man, but he is also 100% God. Okay, that's important. The angel came to Mary, and I can just only imagine, and he said this to Mary, and Mary said to the angel, how, this, uh, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Can you imagine? He just told her that he, she was going to be pregnant. And I mean, I'm telling you, that, that must have just gave her a meltdown. What do you mean? I'm a virgin. Wow. So actually, it's what she said. How will this be since I'm a virgin? That's an amazing question. Gabriel goes on to answer it. The angel answered her. You can talk about the birth of Jesus on other dates other than Christmas. Amen? Amen. Right? And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I love the Holy Spirit. Let me just, something for free. He's my best friend. I love Holy Spirit. He's with me everywhere I go. 
He fills me. He leads me. Empowers me. Counsels me. I encourage you, if you don't practice the presence of God, if you don't practice a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to do that. You're, you're never, ever, ever alone. But it takes faith to walk into that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. The seed, everyone say seed. It's important for you to know that the seed of Jesus was from the Most High. The seed was not from Mary. The seed was from God, the Most High. And that's, that's important that you understand that he's 100% man and he's 100% God. I say that tonight because where I'm going, uh, him dying, death, suffering. I also talked about being Lord. Lord, you know, the, the word that I chose was boss. Everyone say boss. He's the boss of our life. He's a good boss best boss in the universe he's a father who loves you deeply but he wants to be your boss he, this boss knows best he wants to lead you he wants you to give him the reins of his life and remember i talked about jesus taking the disciples through samaria <laughs> wow are you willing to go where jesus will lead you, even if it's in your Samarias, even if it's through prejudice, even if it's through discrim discrimination, whatever your stuff is, are you allowing him to lead you into that area? I also talked about him being the only son. What greater sacrifice than for someone to give their only child? Tonight, suffered under Pontius Pilate. It's important that we understand and believe that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, not just in how he was born but also how he died. That he died 100% man and 100% God. If he was only man and suffered and died, well, there's been other men who have suffered and died, which is a wonderful thing. And you gotta understand that he wasn't just man. A lot of different beliefs, world religions, cults, will say that Jesus was just a man or a teacher or a prophet, and he was those things, but he was also God. Anytime that you hear of a belief system that Jesus is not God, you know what should take place? Alarms and bells and whistles and flags and flags and like a railroad crossing. Don't go there, okay? Because he had to be both, 100% man and 100% God. He had to be more than he was, just a man that he was. Okay, Jesus was God. Yes, he was. He was God and he was man. There is, you got to understand also that he wasn't just man, but he was also God. He wasn't just God, but he was also man. There was a belief that me and Craig was talking about that appeared around 197 to 203, Docetus. And in this uh, belief system during this time, it's very unique what they believed during this time. Now remember the time that I'm speaking of, 197 to 203, somewhere in this, this, this heretic belief came about and the belief was that Jesus was God 
But the whole man aspect of him was like an, an illusion. I mean, it was like he was an illusionist. And it only lasted for a few years. In 325, they booted that belief. But all these different weird beliefs will pop up uh, and have throughout the, the, the entire time since Jesus has walked on the face of the earth. Uh, why? Because we won't understand all the mysteries. You've got to understand that if, if Jesus was just God, then he truly would not have suffered like a man. He would not have felt the pain. He would not have went through what God intended him to go through as a God-man. So it wasn't that he was just God, even though we know he was 100%. He wasn't 100% God and some kind of an illusionist man. He was 100% man because the man part, the pure, the spotless lamb, the 100% the, the man part fully died. He didn't just go into a coma for three days. He had to face death. He had to face the pain and the suffering. But I would put it this way, the God aspect of him never died because, why? God is eternal. Now, there's a dance that takes place that C.S. Lewis talks about between the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But nevertheless, God is eternal and so don't never let anyone try to deceive you because we can't figure out the Trinity that somehow God wasn't 100% God, God wasn't 100% man. He was absolutely both of those things. So being God and dying, he would not fulfill what God desired Jesus to do if he was only God. That's why he had to be both. He was Jesus and he was God. He was Jesus, he was God, and he was man. And that made him the God-man. Are you following me a little bit tonight? Doing my best to explain a mystery and some of the beliefs at place of why it's so vital for you to understand. He was born 100% God and 100% man. And he died 100% God. And 100% man. Now, if you see when this creed was written, remember this whole weird belief of docetism came about around 197. The creed was written somewhere between 100 and 300. And so maybe, maybe it was, well, you know, we need to set this, this record straight of this weird heretic belief that's out and about. I don't know, but it happened about the same time. I want you to see something else tonight. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Look at Acts 4, 27 through 28. Craig told you in the very beginning, he was the first one, you know, I'm a preacher. I'd rather spit and spit fire, right? But, and I'll do both, I'll definitely spit. But Craig said, you know, there's going to be a lot of teaching involved in this whole situation. And, and there is. Because, you know, when you learn these different things and it goes down in your heart, I mean, it gives you great confidence and it builds your faith. Faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. The truth sets you free. So you get this word inside of you. I mean, it's absolutely powerful. Look at this. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Let me show you something here. Acts 4, 27 through 28 says this, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, look at this, whom you anointed, both Herod 
and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had, uh, had predestined to take place. Look at this right here. Jesus, Jesus suffered under Gentiles and Jews. That's important for you to know. It wasn't just the Jews and it wasn't just the Gentiles. It was the Gentiles and the Jews because there was absolute purpose in Jesus' pain and his suffering and his death. The Jews had him killed. I'm not trying to be weird tonight. I mean, it's just a fact. The Jews had him killed, but Pontius Pilate, who was a Gentile, gave them the order for him to be killed, okay? Could this not represent Jesus, God-man, who actually suffered and died for all mankind, for the Jews and the Gentiles? There's all kind of beautiful shadows, and there's all kind of beautiful, you know, some things we don't know for exactly the sure, but the word is the word, and I believe there's a, a connection there that it was the Jews and God used the Gentiles because what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, for every tongue, every culture, every tribe, every person out there, and by the way, so that you know this, Jesus could have stopped it. How many of you know that? Let me show you. He could have stopped it just like this. He did it in the, I love you too, in the name of love. He did it in the name of what he did was in the name of love for you and I. Listen to this. He could have stopped it. Listen to what the scripture says in Matthew 26, 53 through 56. It's going to be behind me. You can turn there. Check this out. He could have stopped it at any time. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. We're going to talk about that. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? There is hundreds of prophecies of Jesus dying for you and I throughout the Old Testament. How many of you know that? Hundreds. I mean, for just two or three or maybe eight prophecies to come about is phenomenal. But when it's hundreds, I mean, it's absolutely supernatural. And of course, it is supernatural. And at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out uh, against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and Jesus went to church. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Jesus went to church. And you did not seize me, but all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Let's talk about, everyone say legions for a minute. Legions of angels were available to Jesus at any time. No human force on the face of the earth, not the entire Jew culture or Gentiles could have stopped Jesus or they... Jesus can do whatever he wants to, but Jesus allowed himself to be taken, okay? A legion is 6,000. So uh, think about that for a minute. 12, at least he talked about, he could call more than 12, but 12, let's look at 12 legions of angels. 72,000 angels, okay? Well, that sounds pretty interesting. That's a lot of Okay, but let me show you something. Let me, let me show you something that's very unique in the scripture. Isaiah 36, 20 
Isaiah 37, 36, it records one angel of God wiping out 185,000 men. Bam! Another one bites the dust. Uh, Listen, one angel, Isaiah, one angel wiping out 185,000 men. Jesus said, man, I can call on 12 legion of angels. You know, that's not the point. Now, let's do a little math just for a moment, just for the fun of it. Let's say that he did call out on all the angels, 72,000 angels. Time that by 185,000. Let me tell you what that number is. Here we go. Look, 13 billion, 320 million. That's, I think, even right now, twice the amount of people on the face of the earth at this moment. Well, why do you say all that, J.O.? I say it because of this. Jesus laid his life down for you. And for I, he didn't have to, but he did it. And I'm going somewhere with that tonight. So just hold on for a second. It could have even ended up like Abraham. Abraham took Isaac up and all of a sudden God provided a ram. And I think there's a typology in that story with Jesus. But God didn't do that. Jesus went the entire way. We believe he suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. I want to tell you something. The number of man is six. Will you say that with me, six? And I view Jesus as bleeding. And I mean, granted, he bled all over his body when he was crucified and suffered. We're going to show a video in just a few minutes. And I want to tell you, give you a heads up right now. If you have a child in here under 13 or something, I would encourage you just to cover their eyes. It's pretty intense of what Jesus went through. But I, I want to say something to you for a moment. I, I view the number of man as six, and I view that Jesus bled from six major parts of his body. Just go with me just for a minute. Jesus, in his death and through the suffering, he bled through his hands. How many of you know that? He was nailed where? I think that would be so predominant because he wanted to cover your hands for every place that your hands have been where your hands should have never been. Amen? How about his feet? Nails went through his feet. Blood flowed out of his feet. I think it covers every place that your feet has taken you that your feet should have never been. Amen? And then... That spear went through his lungs and up through his heart. I believe it's for every broken-hearted person in here today and that will ever look upon Jesus Christ. He comes to heal the broken-hearted. And then he had a crown of thorns on his head. Think about that. I deal with a lot of people and in my past have dealt with mental anguish and sufferings in my mind. I want to let you know that he bled in his mind for every wrong thing that you've ever thought about and every wrong pattern of thinking that you have today he took care of you don't have to live that way and then i think he probably was smacked in his mouth how many of you would believe that for every 
crazy word that's come out of your mouth. And this thing right here, thing called the tongue, the Bible says, out of control. Out of control, like a forest fire. Life and death. Husbands, life and death right there. Wives, kids, the words. Let me think about it. God created everything with what? His words. You're made in his image. There's creation ability in your words. He was hit in his mouth. And then he was hit on his back. Strike. Why? Every place that you've backstabbed someone, every person that ever backstabbed you, Listen to what the Bible says, Isaiah 53, 5 says. How many of you know he was beat so you could live? <laughs> no, no, y'all, y'all ain't feeling me tonight. He was beat for you. Don't be looking at Hollywood and everybody around. He was beat for you. He was beat for me. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. See, I'm losing somebody because you're like, oh, I know that scripture. Go with me for a moment. He was bruised for our inequities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. He was wounded, he was wounded, he was wounded for me and you. Look, transgressions, you know what that was? Transgressions is my sin, your sin, and your rebellion. He took it on. And look at the chastisement, or, or look at back up to this one. He was bruised for our inequities. You know what our inequities is? Versions and our evil. There's sin. How many of you ever done something just stupid? You're like, ah. Oh, some of you lying up in this place right here. <laughs> How many of you ever done something stupid? You're like, ah. Yeah, I didn't mean to call you a liar. Well, kind of. But then there's another level, man. Evil. Evil. And he even took on our perversion and our evil. Can we thank Jesus for what he did for me and you? Wow. I think it's important that 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 will just overtake your emotions, what Jesus did for you and I. For, for me, while I was a sinner, jacked up, he did that for me. He did it for you. 100% God, 100% man. For the rest of the time tonight, I just want to talk to you about a little bit of the pain and the pain that you and I face. And what was, and who was the purpose of the pain that Jesus went through, through the suffering, the crucifixion, the death, and the burial? The purpose was for every person that's ever going to ever live on the face of the earth. Jesus did something in the midst of his pain that I find remarkable. I could talk a lot about pain tonight. I could talk with, with you about why I think pain exists. I think it brings movement into our life. I think pain brings change into our life. I think God can use pain. The enemy will absolutely torture you with pain. I could talk to you a lot about pain tonight, but I want to talk to you more so what Jesus did. I, I see Jesus doing something, and this is what I saw him do. 
Jesus always lived above his pain for you and I. He always lived above his pain for you and I. He was rejected on this earth, lived in pain for the greater good. Listen to this in the garden. If you ever wonder if Jesus knew pain, oh wow, you saw it there, but even before there, even in the anguish of his heart and his mind and his emotions, he knew pain. Matthew 26 39 says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Listen to this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Everyone say this with He lived above his pain. He did that three times. Not my will. But your will be done. And then let's fast forward. He's on the cross and he has two thieves beside him. And he's carrying on a conversation. They're, they're one's mocking him and he's carrying on the conversation. He says this to one of the thieves on the cross. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. In every situation that I see Jesus in, he knew how to live above his pain. I've, you know, I could talk to you a lot about theology, even with that statement right there, that we're saved by grace. You think that guy went to church? You think that guy had water baptism? You think that guy had anything? He had nothing but Jesus. But that's for free. If we're honest with ourselves in here right now, there's people in this room that is living in pain. Or you have lived in pain as a Christian. Let me give you a couple of examples that I face with people living in pain. I find that people married, sometimes they have marriage struggles. Can anyone uh, say amen to that? Amen. There's pain sometimes in marriage. There's sometimes pain in raising children. A child doesn't go the way that you think that child should go and believe and react and respond and do the things. And there can be pain in child raising. There can be pain in all kinds of relational conflicts. There's, there's pain sometimes with family. Sometimes there's pain and financial challenges and health challenges and, and, and rejection and, and death and, and adultery and, and trust broken and lies and abuse and, and backstabbing and hypocrisy and prejudice and feeling unseen. And you don't think Christians have pain? Ask my buddy, Pastor Tim. Six shots with a 45. Christians face pain. How many of you, as a believer, have ever been in pain? Raise your hand. I think that's about 100%. If it's not 100%, please talk to me. I want you to lay hands on me and pray for me. <laughs> What's your point? What's my point about it? Whatever your pain is today, I believe that Jesus caused you and I to live above our pain for the greater good. Fill me today. I want to challenge you.
I believe he calls us to live above our pain. Well, J.O., don't you believe that by his stripes we're healed? Absolutely. Believe it with all my heart. And yet I, I see a radical middle in a lot of things that I believe, a radical middle. I believe that by his stripes we're healed, and I believe that we still face pain at times as believers. We won't have heaven fully until we get to heaven. Yet faith allows us, I believe, to live above pain, but I do not see faith allowing us to have no pain as believers. Smith Wigglesworth, how many of you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? I've read a biography on him, and this guy was a just faith man. No, seriously, faith man. I mean, he was amazing how God used him in the area of healing. And yet, in services, he would be bleeding through his pants because of kidney stones. And in terrible pain, and yet God used mightily in healing and seeing many people come to know Jesus Christ. Faith allows us to reach the criminals on our right and our left, even in the midst of our pain. To reach out through our pain, to go beyond our hurts. Listen to me tonight, you got to feel me. To go beyond our hurts and our scars, I think pain happens among believers. We live in a broken society, in a fallen world. I believe uh, faith will get you through pain, but I do not see faith that protects you from pain or prevents pain or somehow you can skirt around pain. I've seen people with great faith. Faith will help us live above pain, but I don't think faith is there to, for you to ignore it or to bury it or to deny it. But listen, faith allows you, go with me tonight, to live above it. I believe God wants us to live above pain today with a beautiful testament of those, those who have no hope. I know folks that have served the homeless and the less fortunate flipping burgers and living in pain, but they're living above their pain. I know folks who are still reaching out and loving people and battling cancer in their body. How do they do that, J.O.? They're living above their pain. I know people who put a smile on their face and play instruments and lead worship and they live above their pain. I know people who serve in this church that greet you that I know that they live in pain, but they have chosen to live above their pain. Those who have smiles and they're shining and they're testifying about the goodness of God, but they live above their pain my wife right here has battled cancer three times did she check out in life no she didn't she took care of our kids she still ministered she took care of me she learned to live above her pain she coined this phrase your misery becomes your ministry I think sometimes our pain is for the gain of others. When I hear someone struggling in anxiety and panic attack and de depression, you know what I want to do? I want to help them. Why? Because I lived through that pain. 
A person doesn't have to live like that all of their life. There's something said about the one who's lived through hell and they still smiled and they continue to live life and to continue to reach out, continue to love people and touch the criminal criminal on the right and left and, and, and live above their pain. Jesus did this as an example for you and I. Listen, if you're not willing to do that, only live in your pain and never live above your pain, I want to let you know that you never live to the fullness of how Jesus lived. You won't never touch people the way God wants you to touch them if you only live in your pain. Because I find that a lot of people are in pain at times. When you reach out beyond your pain, when you touch and love in the midst of your pain, I believe that you go from a boy to a man, female to a woman, from, listen to me, a victim to an overcomer. You think all overcomers is just like peachy? Man, if you've got a victory, it's because you went through a war. If you're an overcomer, it's because you overcame. God wants us as the church to live above our pain and to reach those that don't know Christ. And they haven't learned to live above their pain. He calls us to go beyond our pain. Listen to what 2 Corinthians, I'm about done. Listen to this. Paul, who wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament. He talked about this. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And at least I should be exalted above measure by the ab abundance of revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given a messenger of Satan. Now I want you to see something real clear, theologically. Where did the thorn come from? Say, did it come from God? No, okay, you follow me? The thorn came from Satan. It's very clear. To buffet me, least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Look at this. Look, read this slow. Let it get in, in your heart. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes there's power through pain. Therefore, I take pleasures and in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I think for Christ's sake, listen, church, listen to me real good, that we live above our pain. I think for the sake of those around us, for the, the good, for the better of the world, that we live above our pain. Can we do that? Let me tell you what we have to look forward to. But I don't think we're going to have the fullness until we get there. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Oh, y'all got to go with me tonight. Wow. I get all excited about some and three people go, pain. There shall be no more pain. Come on. When is that? That's when Jesus comes. That's in heaven right there, man. Okay? For the former things have passed away. There may be pain in the night. 
Joy comes in the morning. I challenge each and every one of us that we begin to live above our pain. No longer being a victim. Let's reach and love people above our pain. Let's share the gospel whenever you don't feel like it. Let's help those that are in way more pain. Let's live above our pain, church. That's how Jesus lived his life. Amen. We stand to your feet. Just bow your head. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just look to you right now that you would move in this place. Those who have been stuck in pain, those who have been stuck in a victim mentality, Father, I pray right now that you would move in this place. Lord, we could become a little more like you, Father. I know that you took on our suffering and by your stripes we're healed, and yet we live in this fallen world. So God, I pray today, a mind take place. It's a transformation. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, I want to let you know that we believe. We do believe that by his stripes, we are healed. The Bible says the prayer of faith will raise up the sick. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, what I want you to do? I want you to come forward, and we want to pray for you right now. If that's you, would you just step out? Would you come up here to the altar? You say, man, I need healing. And I want the team right here, you guys. Hey, I want you to stir up every inch of faith that you have inside of you. I want you all to pray the prayer of faith over them and believe for a miracle in their body. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care what it is. The Bible says in Psalms 103, he heals all of our diseases. That's, <laughs> that is a promise. We stand on that tonight. If you need healing tonight, we want to pray for you. You may have emotion or mental distress, pain. I want to let you know that I believe whenever I read Isaiah 53 where it talked about he was wounded, he was wounded. He took on our equities. He took on our sin. I want to let you know that I think everything's covered in that. If you need healing in your emotions, if you need healing in your, in, your, in your thinking, in your mind, in your heart, He come to heal the brokenhearted. If you feel captured somehow and He came to set the captive free, open prison doors tonight. Step out, let us pray for you. Whatever it may be, man, God, I believe, wants to give you peace. Peace.